Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz... Home is where the heart is. Ah, yes. What are we talking about? Well, healthcare, of course. Healthcare is experiencing a major transformation. You might even say it's an entire industry disruption. Why? Well, we have something called the Internet of Things, one of those technology advances that just keeps trotting along and changing things and changing how we live and how we work and what we do and industry upon industry. But we're focusing on healthcare today. So let's talk about what's happening. Well, IoT and other advances are raising the quality of preventive health care. That's a big buzzword and it's important for all of us. What is this going to mean to us? Well, you may be completely healthy right now. You may be in great shape but maybe one day you or perhaps right now somebody you know is a patient. Well, what we're going to call this digital metamorphosis is going to allow many patients to age in place at home. That means not going to a nursing home, not going to assisted care facility, not going to a hospital, as long as possible aging in place and being well in place. Very important. IoT can help that. But is it all hype? Is it all promise? Is it all just out there or is it real? So today we're going to examine, and by this, by the way, this is part two of a topic we started on February 23rd on another series we host called Future of the Future with Game Changers, and shout out to Brad Borkin and Susan Walker at SAP who brought me this topic. Today is April 6, 2016. So this is part two. We have two of the original three panelists, and we're going to talk about the real potential impact, and that may be an oxymoron, real potential impact of IoT on our personal well-being that's you, me, and everyone we know, on our overall society, that's all cultures, all countries, everyone around the world. And how is it going to impact how we each view our own health care in the future? How much is hope? How much is hype? Let's get started. I'm very pleased to welcome back Tom Foley, the Global Health Solution Strategy Manager for Lenovo Health. And Tom went absolutely overboard. I always ask my panelists for one opening quote that they can relate to the topic. Tom decided one wouldn't do. He decided two quotes wouldn't do, and he settled on three. I'm going to read all three, but we're just going to focus on the first one. First of all, he sent me a quote from Lee Iacocca. I'll I'll go into a little more detail later. Lee Iacocca says, I've always found that the speed of the boss is the speed of the team. Then we add a related quote from Phil Jackson. Uh Uh-huh. Baseball, you know Phil Jackson. And he says, the strength of the team is each individual member. The strength of each member is the team. I think we're on the same theme here. And then... Tom Foley decided to add a Swahili proverb, and I actually have the Swahili language version of that. Tom, don't make me say it on air. And the quote is, a boat doesn't go forward if each one is rowing their own way. Rather than doing a lot of background on the sources of these quotes, I'm just going to bring Tom Foley on. How are you, Tom? So, you know, when, when you look at healthcare, the reason why I liked each one of these quotes is when you look at healthcare and you look at the, the number of um, uh, players, if you will, that are in the market, um, you know, all, all working towards the same end relative to uh, improving healthcare, 
sometimes gets distorted based on how one vendor might do it versus another. Uh, and when you look at telehealth and the Internet of Things and, you know, the average patient uh, having nine, the average Medicare patient having nine different doctors because they have uh, five mm-hmm. chronic conditions, each doctor having their own telehealth platform as an example, uh, how, does the, how does the consumer engage that? Do I need nine different telehealth platforms to, based on the doctor that I want to communicate with? Do I need nine different platforms uh, to, uh, on the Internet of Things so that I can report, capture my data and report my data? So swimming, uh, rowing in the same direction mm-hmm. uh, is really what the market needs to move towards so that we can absolutely improve uh, the, uh, the the delivery of care as well as uh, improve on the uh, um, improving the uh, the wellness of of the patient in and of themselves. Let's not make it hard on the patient. Mm-hmm. We all have to start moving in in one direction. I'm not quite sure how we do that with 300 different EHRs in the market and several different uh, solutions in the market that uh, that just swim in different directions at the moment. Thank you, Tom. Very interesting. I'm hearing, in my mind, you're bringing up the issue of privacy if you have to share your personal health data information on many different platforms, as you use the term. Uh, How are they all protected? Why aren't the providers all talking to each other? If they are, who has access to your information? I'm hearing the concept of OMG providers collaborating? What a thought. Talk about disrupting an industry, Tom. The idea that different providers, different vendors would actually share a platform and be able to communicate and share your information with each other yeah. so you didn't have to do it through you. This, this raises a lot of issues, not only in healthcare, I think, but in a lot of what we do. You know, look at, look at uh, parts for, for anything we have in our home and look at apps for different platforms and, and who really wants to share. So this probably is endemic to a lot of industries. But thank you for that. And I do want to mention, by the way, uh, you know, Tom, I love to give background on the people who are quoted or the places that are quoted. I just want to say quickly that Lee Iacocca is a very interesting character. That was your source for your first quote. His original name, or first real name, is Lido, L-I-D-O, Lido Anthony Lee Iacocca, born in 1924. And those of you who are very young out there, and I know we have listeners all over the world, Lee Iacocca is an American automobile executive best known for spearheading the development of the Ford Mustang, or the Stang, to those of you who think you're cool, and the Pinto cars. Well, he was at the Ford Motor Company in the 60s. Later, he revived Chrysler as CEO during the 1980s, maybe Chrysler crisis, we could say. He was president and CEO of Chrysler from 1978 and then was chairman from 1979 and retired in 92. But perhaps most interesting, uh, Portfolio, whatever that is, a website or a magazine, named Lee Iacocca the 18th greatest American CEO of all time. Okay, let me bring on my se- second guest. It is Tim O'Malley. He's president of Early Sense, Inc. And Tim has sent me a quote from Abraham Lincoln. Now, I know everybody rec- recognizes that name. Lincoln lived from 1809 to 1865. Not a long life, and we know why. He was the 16th president of the U.S., serving from March 1861 till his assassination in April 1865. He led the U.S. through the Civil War and preserved the Union, abolished slavery, I thought he did, strengthen the federal government and modernize the economy. Well, I've never heard of Lincoln as somebody who modernized the economy, but uh, kudos to him if he did. Here's the quote Tim has sent us. In the end, 
It's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. That's such a beautiful quote, Tim O'Malley. How are you, Tim? I'm doing well. How are you, Bonnie? I'm great. I'm I'm actually measuring the life in my years right now, now that I read this quote for the 14th time in preparing for the show. Tell me, are you a follower, a big fan of Abraham Lincoln? And Tim, did you know that he was credited with modernizing the U.S. economy? I did not know that he was credited with modernizing the U.S. economy. I know he had a tremendous impact on the U.S. economy. With and, I, and the reason I do admire Abraham Lincoln is I think that he was a fantastic leader that faced just enormous challenge. And obviously, in the end, I mean, he did not live a long life, but he lived, I think, a pretty full life. He certainly did for the little bit that he had. So tell me, tell me about this quote. It seems very appropriate for our topic. I'm going to let you explain why you picked it. Well, I, I think that all of us, you know, and. As I get older, I certainly reflect on what I've done in my life and what I want to continue to do in my life, and I'm sure, you know, other people do the same. And, you know, it's at the end of the day, I think all of us want to live a a meaningful life. We want to live a a full life, but at the same time, we want to live a a life that's rich with health and not, you know, disease-ridden if possible. And I think that, you know, I would personally would rather live a, a fuller life and yet a shorter life than one that that crippled me with disease and poor health and so i think part of the topic here today is you know how can we affect that and obviously we can't control it all always but we certainly can can maybe impact it and affect it by the things that we do and part of that is in today and into the future how we monitor the things we do and how those things impact our life and our lifestyle. Yeah. I I just heard some very sad news, uh, Tim, a member of our community, a a rabbi, a Japanese-American rabbi, and that's uh, an oddity even here in New York, uh, was having back pains and refused to go to the hospital. Obviously, there were no sensors on him. There was no way to communicate it with the doctor. And try as he might, his family couldn't get him to seek medical help, even though he had the same issue a year before and had some heart repair work done. And when they finally got him to the hospital, he passed away uh, just before his 70th birthday last Sunday. And I know the community here is just rocked. He was a very dynamic man. I had no idea he was even ill. But it makes me wonder, Tim, and not to personalize this, but but maybe we need to, makes me wonder if there had been some kind of IoT in place, some kind of monitoring where he wouldn't have had to say, yeah, my backache's really bad. I think I'll go to the hospital today. A, a physician would have known. Any comments on that, Tim? You think that might have helped? You know, I think I think that we are at an interesting point in, in time in healthcare because I do believe that although there may not be technologies that are self applicable today as we you know talk today that would help, if you will, predict maybe a cardiac event if that's what he mm-hmm. suffered from. Yes, he did. Um, I think that we're not far from that. And I think that, you know, there will be technologies that have been traditionally used in the healthcare settings by healthcare professionals that will migrate out into the wellness consumer digital health space that will um, give more insight, maybe not to the individual that would be using it, but to their caregivers that would be connected to that device or via the cloud uh, to assess data and information and make decisions and recommendations. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you very much. Sorry, sorry about that sad, uh, that sad non sequitur there, but it's on my mind. I just found out a few minutes before the show. So let's move on, and thank you, Tim. Tim and Tom are repeat guests from, as I mentioned, part one of this topic, IoT and healthcare, bringing IT home, part two. They were on with me on the future of the future with Game Changers on February 23rd, 2016, and we are welcoming a new panelist to this party today. He is Kai Gorlick. I'll spell his name G-O. R-E-L-I-C-H. He is a research director and digital futures in SAP marketing. And Kai has sent me a wonderful quote from Deepak Chopra, who is somewhat of a controversial figure. Uh, I'll read a little background here. Deepak Chopra, born 1947, is an Indian-American author, public speaker, alternative medicine advocate, how appropriate for us today, and a new age guru. Through his books and videos, Deepak has become one of the best-known and wealthiest figures in alternative medicine. He started out studying medicine in India before he emigrated to the U.S. in 1970, where he completed residencies in internal medicine and endocrinology, and in fact was a licensed physician and became chief of staff at New England Memorial Hospital. Then in 1985, he met the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and became involved with transcendental meditation, and now there is a lot of criticism for from his the medical and scientific communities about their opinions from dismissive to damning on what Chopra promotes and we'll just leave it at that here's the quote I think the quote stands on its own merit Kai sent me this quote the way you think the way you behave the way you eat can influence your life by 30 to 50 years that's a long time Kai welcome Kai how are you today I'm good thanks Thanks for joining us. Great quote. Tell me, are you a follower of Deepak Chopra? We won't say anything if you say yes. And how come you picked that quote for our topic today about the disruption in the healthcare industry? Talk to me, Kai. Yeah, I'm, I'm not precisely following him very much because, um, I mean, I read myself through Joseph Campbell, Comparable Mythology, mythology and so I know a little bit about uh, about other other ways to to look at life, uh, and uh, you mentioned already where he came from. Um, and I'm a biologist by training, so uh, I, I'm looking more from a system systemic uh, view on on the things here. And I think the the quote is is very in line with what we may do now, because in the past we have focused on the the illness, the sickness, basically, and try to cure it. And in the future, we will be more predictive. You know, we will go more, uh, try to avoid to become sick, and care more about what we eat, for example. And and uh, we know, you know, that we usually eat the wrong stuff, and uh, how we behave when we do exercise, how how much do we do, and actually thinking has a lot to do with it because if. Uh, it really can influence. I'm, I would not go to the extreme that, that uh, Deepak Chopra is going in, in many cases, but I know that it it has a fundamental influence on how, how happy and how uh, healthy we are. So I think in the future, this IoT-based healthcare will, will help us to, to be much better on, on that side as well. Kai, do you think there's going to be something in IoT sensors uh, for those of us who agree to use them and to have them on our bodies, in our homes, in our in our kitchens, in our refrigerators, if you will? Do you think they're going to say to me, uh, Bonnie, you had enough chocolate today? Or Kai, that's your 14th cup of heavy caffeine coffee. Stop now before I have to, have to sit, hit you on the side of the head. Do you think IoT would ever do that? 
I don't know. Maybe you would throw it out of the window because you think it's, you know, <laughs> it's controlling your <laughs> to have fun. But I think, uh, I mean, you can see that already, like with, with all this stuff of mindfulness and, and yes, all of this yes. stuff coming up. And it's really, you know, I mean, th these techniques are around there for thousands of years. So we know, basically know them. It's just that we can make them more useful for our daily lives and not for some specialists. So you can really, you know, how you start the morning, how you breathe, how you, what, what you eat can have a huge impact. And I think, yes, uh, IoT will help you, help us all to, to lead a healthier life in, in you know, like uh, just counting your steps on a daily basis is a huge, makes a huge difference. So I think, yes, maybe not, maybe we would, you know, kick it out of the window, throw it out of the window if, if it tells us not to eat that chocolate anymore. But uh, on other Chocolate may be an extreme, extreme example. Then, then uh, food is very, very emotional and difficult. But I think you you can start with other things. You don't have to, you know, just leave out everything. There is no need not to drink any coffee anymore. But as you said, counting from I, I don't drink coffee. You know, I I follow a strict rule. In one of these trainings, it's about from Stephen Kotler. It's about mm -hmm. flow, getting into the flow. And uh, he came up with a wonderful um, training. The training is wonderful. And he said that the, the, most, the best thing you can do is to have enough sleep. So don't drink coffee after 4 p.m. Oh, um, one, you know, one hour before you go to sleep, no screens. Go to sleep at 10 p.m. and sleep in darkness. And when you follow these things over several days, you will feel how significantly different your, your life is, you, how you feel. It's really wonderful. So you should do it. <laughs> well, we'll see. I don't think we would have SAP Radio. I'm running 13 different series now, and most of the behind-the-scenes work takes place between midnight and 3 a.m. the night before a show. Yeah, so okay. <laughs> I, I don't think. But I have an interesting quote to read. I think we'll uh, lift the mood here for. Although you've done that very well, Kai, for the whole panel. It's a quote from Jim Carrey. I looked up chocolate quotes. I absolutely had to. And the quote is, you know. I live a monastic lifestyle. No, I do. I do live in extremes, basically. I go back and forth. Once every six months, I'll have a day where I eat more chocolate than has ever been consumed by a human being. <laughs> Jim Carrey. I, I have to post that on Twitter. I think that's a gem. Thank you, Kai. And thanks for joining us. And now I'm going to circle back to Tom Foley. Tom, I hope you can hear me now. I hear you were having a, a little difficulty with the levels. Tom Foley at Lenovo Health. Tom, we'd love to know, talking about... About coffee. What are you drinking? We're part right now up to our what's in your cup segment. Today, right now, I'm uh, just drinking a glass of water. Um, um, just uh, relaxing uh, and participating in the uh, in the discussion. So, well, tell me something. That's lovely, and I'm glad you're relaxed. So, tell me something, Tom. What do you plan to drink later when you don't need to be on the air? Uh, it might just be a Long Island iced tea. Um, oh, one of, my, one of my favorite drinks. That's what we were going for. Yes, I'm on Long Island, and I never drink our iced tea, but I know what it is, and it sounds really good. Just too much for me. Thank you very much, Tom. Do you have a favorite brand of booze that goes in that? Uh, no, I don't. I, I actually uh, like to be a connoisseur of different bars and actually how they, uh, how they make their res respective uh, uh, interpretation of that drink. So, Okay, interpretation is good. Okay, bartender, Tom Foley's calling you. Tim O'Malley, what are you drinking today, or what are you thinking about drinking? I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to skip right to the later drink and not the current drink. <laughs> okay. And so I'm drinking Bushmills Irish Whiskey. Wow. And, 
And the reason is because it's a drink that I enjoy when I like to reflect on things. And to be really unhealthy, I might even have a cigar with it. Oh, we want to hear what Kai and Deepak Mm -hmm. Chopra have to say about that. Okay, let's talk to Kai. What are you drinking? Kai, first of all, you're in Germany today. Where are you? What time of day is it? And now what are you drinking or what are you planning after the show? Yeah, I'm. I'm drinking now water. I drank. Uh, I drank a espresso with vanilla and cinnamon uh, because I just found out that coffee, vanilla, and cinnamon are the top three spices that are endangered are endangered by climate change. So I thought I'd rather have a espresso with these tastes uh, before it's totally gone out. Of, um, but I usually drink drink uh, apple juice uh, with water. So um, that's that's my favorite one. Apple and in the morning coffee, yes. So apple- because it's late, you know, I'm I'm drinking water now. Apple juice with water. How? Do, what proportions do you have? Uh, so so basically, do you mean yeah, one to one? So basically, uh, one to one, one okay. part apple juice, one part water. Well, very, very interesting. And if I were doing that, I would put an ice cube in it, but I have a feeling our other panelists might add something a little more potent than that. We'll just leave that on the table. I'm just drinking cool, clear water. I'm with Tom Foley today, and I don't know what I'm going to have after the show, but Tom and Tim know that they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days, so I'm holding back. But they didn't say anything about chocolate, so that's what I'm going to have after we are <laughs> off the air. IoT and healthcare, bringing IT home, part two. Yes, very important topic. We're talking about the Internet of Things. We're talking about sensors. We're talking about what are you doing for your health and what will IOT do for promising to make it all better for all of us so we can live longer and much healthier lives because I think we all aspire to that. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Go grab a drink. We'll be back in approximately 75 seconds. Justin out. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com this is rick osick president of famous footwear our company is working together with the march of dimes through march for babies to raise money and awareness about the serious problem of premature birth in the u.s as a business leader, I know that babies born very sick or too soon cost businesses billions of dollars each year, in addition to the emotional stress on employees and their families. That's why Famous Footwear is committed to raising funds to improve the health of moms and babies everywhere. Won't you please join us in the March for Babies? Start a team today at marchforbabies.org. 
Listen for exclusive clips from Oprah's upcoming Super Soul Sunday series on Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave channel. Then be sure to watch Oprah's Super Soul Sunday on OWN Network TV at 11 a.m. 10 Central every Sunday. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're talking about our health. It impacts every single one of you around the world who are listening to the show, either live or on demand in a couple of hours. It's April 6th, and I have a wonderful panel. We're speaking today with Tom Foley at Lenovo Health. We're speaking with Tim O'Malley, president of Early Sense Inc., and Kai Gorlick at SAP. He's a trained biologist, which makes him absolutely perfect for this topic. We're talking about disruptions to the healthcare industry from technological advances, such as, and our focus is on IoT, Internet of Things. And those of you who are curious about IoT, we even have a separate series called the Internet of Things with Game Changers, and you can search for that on the business channel on World Talk Radio aka voiceamerica.com and follow that conversation as well it's time for our roundtable now and Tom Foley sent me a lot of interesting notes as did our other esteemed panelists today Tom I'm looking at something that very much intrigues me we were talking about improving our health as individuals as overall in, in our society about whether all of this IOT disruption to healthcare industry is help or hope or hype or whatever I'm going to just read a little bit from your notes Tom and then I'll have you run through this and then we will add the other panelists to the conversation. You say, given we don't know when the, where the patient is located and the need to access records or want to forward health records, coupled with whether we know when the next setting of healthcare would be, it's impossible to have set up the necessary point-to-point interfaces to support the mobility of the patient. This sounds like a massive chore. So, Tom Foley, why don't you talk about this interoperability model of healthcare, and, and then we'll ask we'll ask Tim and Kai to join us. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah. yeah so, uh, the, the 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 construct here is that a lot of the um, health IT vendors work on implementing what is referred to as HL seven interfaces. It's a one to one connection between two different EHR systems. Uh, and when ME2 came, Meaningful Use Stage 2 came along, a concept of direct messaging uh, came around, which is really uh, based on email-like services. So it was a one-to-many transaction. So if I am in, if I am in practice A and I'm doing a transition of care to practice B, C, or D or asking my doctor that is in New Jersey to send my health records to a, uh, a practice down in Florida... Uh, you could do that via direct because, it, you, and you didn't have to have a pre-established connection. Uh, in 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 the state of interoperability, we talk a lot about fire being a new protocol or uh, transport or mechanism on how do we establish uh, interoperability. But even fire 
is really a point-to-point uh, type of service. So it really doesn't address the the overall need for true interoperability around where the patient is mobile, not necessarily what facilities a hospital might have affiliations with. Again, I always use the example of I'm in New Jersey, I can go to New York, I can go to New Jersey, go to Philadelphia, and I'm a snowbird and I'll go down to Florida for six months out of the year. So my doctor could be any place. Uh, and, and so mobility and interoperability in the Internet of Things really needs to be centered on the patient, not necessarily the sponsoring uh, healthcare institution or the sponsoring uh, health IT vendor. Uh, Thank you, Tom. Very, very insightful, and uh, I, that's where we really want to go with this. Tim O'Malley, why don't you join us? Thoughts? Agree? Disagree with Tom? No, I agree. I think that we're, again, at a very interesting time because you have a large percentage of our population that is approaching you know, retirement age with the baby boomers, and there's around 75 million of them in the United States, and they are fairly technology-savvy people, and so I think what is beginning to happen already, and I think it'll accelerate pretty quickly, is they will probably collect a lot of their own data. And I think that they will adjust their lifestyle. Like my earlier comment about a glass of Irish whiskey, you know, I'll adjust my lifestyle based on the data that I see um, and maybe, you know, not do that again for a week or two weeks based on what I see and how I feel. And I think people will be doing that pretty routinely in the in the not-too-distant future. I think they're already doing that. And I think over time, I think that we as as individuals will probably collect and keep and possibly even migrate our data into things like Tom is talking about with, you know, a connected health record, if you will, that can span across a country or continents, if you will. Thank you. Kai Gorlick, please join us. Thoughts on what Tom said and what Tim added? Go ahead, Kai. Yeah, there's a huge opportunity in it. I mean, for, for, for the last... I don't know, thousands of years, um, we were relying on experience and uh, a little bit on statistics and, and empirical data. But, I mean, now we can basically align the genomic data with our lifestyle. That is exactly what's, what we are describing here. So by feeding back our personal data into a huge data pool, we could not only get a better treatment, but a better understanding of what makes us sick and what, what we, how we can lead our, better lead our life and even on a daily or on an hourly basis. And you don't have to go to the extremes, but I think that this future is really, really, really valid, valid, uh, very good because in, in the past we know that most of the, the drugs that, uh, that we came up with are not suited for everybody. And there are thousands of techniques out there and, and uh, medicals and even natural medicines that can could be used and really help. So I think that for, for many people that have no access to direct healthcare, this will be a huge improvement, and for us in the more developed countries as well. Thank you, Kai. Tom Foley, I'm going to circle back to you. Any thoughts on what Kai added as well as what, oh, we've got somebody from Lenovo Health tweeting. Thank you very much. Deep dive on interoperability. Whoever you are, thank you very much. And it may, it may in fact, be Tom Foley. Tom, are you talking and tweeting at the same time? Because we uh, love I, that. I am not. I am not, but I do know that my uh, my team is uh, is supporting the, this effort on uh, Twitter. So. Terrific. Thank you. I'm going to ask you, Tom, any comments on what your co-panelists just shared before we move on to Another topic? 
Uh, no, I, I think uh, they said it. Uh, they said it well. I think uh, we, we covered that topic. I don't have anything more to add. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Tim O'Malley. I'm looking at your notes. Uh, let's talk about predictive. I think that would be a good place to go. And if not, you tell me where you want to go. But Tim, you told me in your notes, predictive analytics will allow caregivers to have access to enormous amounts of data around an individual, a disease state, a population, which will allow for treatment earlier in the process. So thoughts on that, Tim. Is predictive something that doctors are going to understand? Or aren't they always really trying to predict? Isn't your doctor trying to say, well, uh, well, Bonnie, or well, Kai, uh, I see that you're going to sleep in a dark situation at 10 p.m. and you're not having any caffeine after four. I predict you're going to have a long and healthy life. Are they always trying to predict or predictive analytics something that's going to add value to that? And do they understand it? Tim, talk to me. No, I think that I what I'm referring to is collection of data over a longer period of time, and then you know predictive databases looking at that data and projecting potentially an adverse event or reaction to a drug or something to that effect prior to the event actually happening. Um, And I think that this is being um, done today, uh, but I think in the future this will be done on a widespread basis. And I think the amounts of data and where that data comes from and how it's collected, uh, how it's analyzed, how it's put into decision-making algorithms um, I think is only going to improve over the next several years. Who's going to be the data scientist population who are doing all of this? We've talked about this on other shows, other topics, Tim. Uh, who, what, what jobs are going to open for people to be part of this, to collect this data and to interpret it, analyze it, and put it where it needs to be, be put for, so it makes a, a value add? I think there's probably layers of that. I think you have the development people that are computer scientists and probably the more classic sense of the word, I think you're also going to have health IT informatics scientists that are going to be involved in this, and I think that there will be probably new fields like clinical diagnostics folks that can be involved in this um, to kind of oversee and uh, manage some of these analytical databases that are going to be created. Thank you. Kai Gorlick, you're a biologist by training. Agree or disagree with what Tim has shared with us? Yeah, I, I agree. In principle, I agree. I mean, you, you don't have to to let the data run your life, right? So, so you always will have a choice. So it, it's, uh, if you predict something, it's showing you the risk and, and the opportunities of, of deciding if you're going to, uh, to drink that red wine or that, that bush mill that we heard earlier before. By the way, just a personal experience. I once bought a wonderful, expensive bottle of Bushmill and it gave me headaches. It got oh. So I stepped away from drinking Bushmill long ago, but nevertheless, you know, well, you're not supposed if, to if drink I would the have, whole bottle. Yeah, if, if I would have <laughs> known that risk earlier. Kai, how much did you have? <laughs> Just a sip, that was the problem. Just a sip, you know. Just <laughs> That was the problem. If you, a, if you have enough, you yeah, don't even know you have a headache. Am I right, Tim and Tom? Should, if you haven't... This is true. Yeah, yeah maybe I, I should have drank Kai, more. more. Oh, I should have maybe half the bottle, and then I would have headaches for other reasons and not just one. But, you know, if I would, would have known about the risk, like uh, getting migraine from, from, or migraine from, from uh, whiskey or, or red wine or something, then, then you, you know what you're up to, you know? And, and that's the trick, I think. It's, it's about, um, it's about um, 
leading our life in open light, so to say, our healthy life. And not, we, we don't have to be ruled by these algorithms, nobody said. But because we know. To it. Yeah, go yeah ahead. somebody wants to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, this is Tim. I think, you know, even things like, as Kai brought up earlier, sleep. You know, I think that all of us, you know, kind of take sleep for granted. I think that there's new capabilities that are that are coming, that are, you know, there and are, are evolving that will allow people to monitor sleep and, and somewhat manage sleep based on their environment. It could be the temperature of the room. It could be the, the light in the room. It could be the noise in the room. Um, and I think this doesn't have to be limited to home. It could probably end up in hotel spaces that you, mm-hmm. you know, use for travel. And so I think these are the things that... You know, how Kai sleeps and how I sleep might be very different and what impacts our level of sleep and quality of sleep could be also very different. And so these are the predictive things that I think over time these analytical engines will collect and kind of steer us, as Kai said, to make decisions and, and possibly modify our behavior based upon what we see coming at us. Interesting. Uh, I want to reflect on a comment. I think it might have been Tim O'Malley made a few minutes ago about uh, different demographics and populations, ages of our of our populations that we have now and boomers. Was it you, Tim, talking about boomers yeah. and being aware of? Yeah. Uh, very interesting. My mom just turned 99 on February 1st. She still lives alone. Wow. We, thank goodness, got rid of her car about six months ago, and she misses it dearly. She does her own grocery shopping. She has a couple of stores in her downstairs. In this, uh, She lives in a, a luxury building, not an independent residence at all. It's just a place. It's just a co-op. It's just an apartment. She bought 20 years ago. Ago after my father passed away and her best friend is just turned 102 on January 9th now her best friend doesn't have much memory left but she has a full-time caregiver who does the cooking and the bathing and all that but they still go to Florida in the winter and she still sits on her balcony you're all going to love this Gertrude sits on her balcony and every day at five o'clock in Highland Beach Florida looks out at the ocean and she has her scotch every day and that's she loves her sunset and her scotch, and then she goes in and reads a good book until she goes to bed. And that's how Gertrude lives. And she still flies to see her grandchildren and great grandchildren. So these these women and my mom included are living amazing lives, but they are not going to to put on anything with a sensor. They're not going to wear a Fitbit. They need somebody to do that for them. Any comments on how the healthcare industry or any predictions? Even though we're not at the prediction segment of the show yet, Kai or Tim or Tom, anybody want to talk about what the meaning of this will be to let's say? To to the boomer children, the adult children who are the full-time or quasi or informal caregivers who want their aging parents to benefit from all of this. Any thoughts on that part of the population? Anybody want to take yeah. it or am I just talking? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yes. So this is Tim. I'll jump in quickly and yeah. be brief. But I think that, you know, early sense, that early sense, we make sensors. And one of the things that we want to do uh, which we will do later this year, is create a situation where, you know, you, Bonnie, can put a sensor in your mother's bed at home and measure her sleep, measure how many times she gets out in and out of bed through the night, which could be mm-hmm. uh, indicative of changes physiologically. It could also be uh, indicative of the fact that maybe she took her medicine uh, at the wrong time or incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, it will allow uh, people to measure the same in a chair. And so I think, you know, I'm using this as an example because it's close to home, but I think that yes. these kinds of capabilities are there, and I think that with 
the large baby boom generation that does have aging parents that are living well beyond what their parents lived, um, I think these capabilities are there so that they can live at home, live independently, but still be monitored in in a non-intrusive way that doesn't impact their life to Mm -hmm. just make sure that there's a safety net underneath them. Yeah, I like that. Anybody else want to chime in on that one? Thank you, Tim. I think this is the much better version than what we have in, in some of these elderly homes that we see yes. now. Yes. And uh, so my mother turned, just turned uh, 80 and she's still very fit, but I can't see that problem upcoming. It's a, it's a, it's a matter of dignity and ethics. And I think uh, yes. these IoT can help us to, to solve at least part of it. And I really love that thought that, that we all can live where we want to live as long as we can and, and that technology can help us. That's for Amazing sure a, a, a nice scenario. Yep, your mom's just a baby at 80, for goodness sake. That doesn't even count. <laughs> that doesn't even count. By the way, my, my, her yet. last... At her last checkup, my mother's doctor, Dr. Matt, she has a real crush on him. She tells him what beautiful eyes and hair he is. She's quite a flirt, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and he's, I, I was there and he came out and he said to me, Bonnie, he said, I think Ruth has every, every chance of well into, well over a hundred. She's going to make a hundred and just keep going. I said, okay, thank you very much. And we just, just sat there and said, wow, that's interesting. So yeah, we're, we're looking at all kinds of new opportunities here. And, and Tim, you and I may need to talk about some sensors for her. So Tom, I I think you also, I heard you in the background, want to comment on this part? Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, when you look at uh, the wearables and, and some of the Internet of Things, uh, they can be complementary to one's lifestyle. But when you look at uh, the types of Internet of Things devices that are monitoring uh, blood pressure and, and things of that nature, they can be quite intrusive. Uh, and the point there being is we, as we move forward in the, in, in the innovation cycle around this particular uh, segment, th- that we, we need to look at how technology, it get, again, becomes complementary to the lifestyle, not intrusive to the lifestyle. And when we achieve that objective, uh, that, would, um, that, would, that would serve the, the, the market uh, very well. And it actually goes back to the earlier point of analytics, and the, the one thing that we all need to be careful about when we talk about this type of technology is making sure when we talk about uh, the pre, uh, predictive analytics and, and big data that the, the one thing that we, always, uh, we often don't talk about is the, how do we know that the data is about the same patient, so the, 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 yeah. the identity of the patient mm-hmm. and being able to integrate that data into a repository to actually do the predictive analytics for that patient uh, is, is very critical. So if you're going to put sensors in the bed, let's make sure it's the same person laying in that bed uh, versus a multitude of uh, folks, hypothetically, uh, so that the predictive analytics uh, uh, can be done uh, properly versus um, creating uh, more challenges as we move forward. Very interesting. Anybody want to comment on that? Because I'm ready to move into some notes from Kai Gorlick's preparation before the show. Everybody good? 
I think we're good. Yep. Here, here's a pervasive statement from Kai. A uh, little bit of prediction here. Kai says, sensors will be in and on every being, completely changing the way we care about health. But here, here's what I find most interesting. And Kai, I'll ask you to come in in a second. You say the healthcare industry will be fully transformed into a cross-industry service called Staying Healthy. Included will be sports and pharma, healthcare, genetics, environment, lifestyle, nutrition, insurance, meditation, hello Deepak Chopra, and happiness services. Kai, I think we've just finished up in one sentence, two sentences, our complete prediction segment of the show. So talk to me. How will this all come together, Kai? Is this way, way far in the future or is this tomorrow afternoon? I see. I would say it's in the middle. But if you if you if you look at how health uh, health insurance companies are looking to the problem, they they by now know that the classical Western medicine is very very cost intensive. And if we build up these huge systems, and it, you know, being in an IT company, I would call them already legacy, because we can see that we now can do more predictive and shift people out of out of the doctor. You know, don't treat them before they are, or care about them before they get sick. That's that's basically future approach it's and if you think then it will be more outcome based so we will shift i don't know how many how many percent but let's say 30 percent of the healthcare market uh, upfront so before you even get sick and i think that we will find out with all this iot stuff um, as we said earlier that drinking whiskey or not or drinking wine or not <laughs> what you eat and when you eat it and how you sleep will influence a lot and this is, will become more evident. And I think uh, then we, it's basically just an, you know, just an idea of, of how would, when would I step in as a consumer, of course, or as, as a, I would love to be treated like, you know, I care about your, your life's happiness, your health, your happiness overall, not just about that your heart rate is at the right frequency. Interesting. I want to know, what is happiness services or what are happiness services? What can we look forward to? The last part you mentioned yeah, yeah, no, in this. You know, I'm, I'm a current, <laughs> I'm a current <laughs> reader of that happiness report, World Happiness Report. And uh, it's really interesting. The Danish people are the most happy, in the happiness, uh, happy people in the world, obviously, to the, to the report, although they seem not to know because they complain a lot about uh, the country, as you can see. And, uh, but I know that... that if you think constantly think the glass is half empty, it makes a difference if you think it's half full. We know that. We know that from thousands of, of, of years of meditation, other exercises, we know that we can influence our thinking, our behavior, and how we deal with these things. And uh, happiness is an, is, an, is an attitude. Of course, some things are really unhappy. I mean, basically, you know, if you run into serious problems, of course, you don't want to have if somebody... Uh, of your relatives dies or whatever, it's a catastrophe for sure. But overall, we, we could lead a more happy, happy life. But um, this, this is against the, the, the basically our approach. You know, that's that we always have a solution for unhappiness. So we are dealing quite good with unhappiness because there's always a product behind unhappiness, and that's the trick in marketing. First, you tell mm-hmm. somebody he's unhappy, and then you offer a product. So, but I yes. think this this will change a lot with it, and I hopefully because, as I said, a happy life has more to do than than it has a lot to do with being healthy, but there is even more to it. Wow, that kind of covered it all, uh, Tom Foley. Let's get your POV on this thoughts. 
You know, I, it's interesting. Well, first off, I always thought it was a happy wife was a happy life, but but the you know, I, I think uh, you know. Let's let's look at uh, you talked about your mother earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Ninety nine years old. You know, lived a happy life. She didn't have the Internet of Things. She didn't have predictive analytics. She held. She she had a healthy lifestyle. Apparently, she's still here, Tom. She's she just she, turned ninety nine. She's yeah, still here. Yeah, exactly. So uh, so yep. the, the the point there is that you know all of what we're talking about is what I would say is in moderation of the need, uh, not that it would be uh, uh, invasive. Uh, across the board need relative to how do we monitor oneself. It really, at the end of the day, I look at it as it, it really all does come down to uh, behavioral changes. And, and we need information uh, to be able to raise awareness and to move someone to uh, across that, that wellness continuum. So and the Internet of Things is, is about, you know, raising awareness. Oh, you know, I only, I only took 10 steps today. I should be taking 10,000 steps. Um, and so how do, I motiv- how do I get motivated to actually change my behavior to achieve uh, the different outcomes uh, that are necessary? Um, so I, I just think that it's, uh, it's, it's all within moderation. Again, if you... If you look at even prescriptions, you know, uh, you, you spend all this time going to the doctor, you, you, get, you get diagnosed, and, you know, you know, depending on the study that you, uh, you read, anywhere between 30-50% of all scripts are never even filled. And they're, and they're not filled after, and if, it's a, if it's a chronic condition you're managing, it's not refilled. So it's not as if, so that's a change in behavior. You know what's wrong with you, you, you but you have to change your lifestyle to be able to now uh, support or maintain that wellness. If you don't maintain your wellness, then you have, you're you're making a conscious choice to decline your health. And that's where value-based care and that type of behavior doesn't match. And so therefore we have to get everybody on the same page around value-based care and changing of consumers' behavior to achieve a, a more healthier lifestyle. Um, uh, so I think it's uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done relative to educating the the overall consumer base about what what's the value of uh, what it is that the health system is trying to achieve and and how they have to be equal participants in that particular uh, objective. Tom Foley, you just did your one minute predictions round. You're done. You didn't even know you were there. Okay. You are done. Tim O'Malley, I can give you sixty seconds. Predict if you want to add a year or a date or a moment here. We got four minutes till the end of the show. Tim O'Malley at Early Sense. What do you predict? What do you see coming down the pike? Sixty seconds, Tim. Go. Yeah, I think that Tom is is right. <clears throat> However, you know, there are a lot of people that are in their eighties and nineties that can't live independently. And I think, you know, your mother's, you know, blessed that she is able to at her advanced age, but there's a lot of people much younger than her that have to be cared for. And I think the tools that are coming uh, that are supported by the Internet of Things, I think, will allow their families and caregivers to be able to keep people, hopefully, in their homes and, if not, close to their homes um, so they can live as, as normal a lifestyle as they can, even though they may have impairment or disease state yeah. that would otherwise prevent them from doing so. Yep. Thank you very much. Kai Gorlick, predictions, 60 seconds. Go, Kai. 
Yeah, as I said um, earlier, I think that in 10 years we will more used to to be more proactive on our side as a, as a consumer. So we won't treat medical care as something we take when something is broken in our body, but we will uh, integrate it into our lifestyle and we, we get more used to it that this is an ongoing care and you so care about yourself. This is, I think, would say the theme that this is something I care about myself and I have medical coaches or healthcare coaches and uh, the classical healthcare industry is a part of it and will have morphed into it. Thank you very much. I have a funny story to tell the three of you. My mother and I still, since 2000, co-host a local TV show, which I now post online on my Vimeo channel, called Senior Moments, The Happy Ones. That's right, Senior Moments, The Happy Ones, not the bad ones. And last night, our special guest is the new first assistant EMS chief of one of our three local community fire departments. And the topic was... Do you need an ambulance and what to do about it? And talking about IOT, let's take it back. Let's dial it back, gentlemen, to paper. And he has, they have a kit. They have 10,000 of them printed up in a little bag. And it's simply a way for the senior or whoever to put down your name, your date of birth, your, all the medications you're taking, any health issues, any allergies, whatever, on a piece of paper. And it gets folded in half and put into a little plastic bag and it gets attached to your refrigerator with a magnet. And then you have a sticker you put on your door, a magnetic sticker that alerts the ambulance people if you need them when they come that all of your personal information is on this piece of paper that you have filled out that is on your refrigerator or somewhere in the apartment or in the house so they know and can give you proper care. So talking about unbundling IoT completely non-tech at all. And this is what we still have to do uh, probably around the world. Any quick comments? Oh, I've got uh, got about 30 seconds here. Tom, good idea, bad idea? Quickly. Tom Foley? Uh, good, great idea. Sometimes we ever think it and think a technology solution is necessary, but paper and pencil work well. Thank you. Tim O'Malley, quick comment on that? Yes, no, agree, disagree? You like it? I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I do too. And Kai Gorlick? Good idea. And finally, I know what the connected refrigerator is good for. <laughs> it will blink and say, Mr. Ambulance, Mr. Doctor, yes. Mr. EMT, Ms. here's a piece of paper you need. On that note, I'm going to thank yeah. our three panelists. Thank you all, Tom Foley, Tim O'Malley, Kai Gorlick. Good conversation. Thank you very much for joining me. Really appreciate it. I did a lot of tweeting. I hope you will check and see what we've got on hashtag SAP Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here is my shout-out to, well, Justin and the Business Channel team, Brad Borkin and Susan Walker at SAP for, for sending me these three panelists from their series, Future of the Future. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt, whether it has a sensor in it or not. Fasten it. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.